I'm going to invite you to be seated and open up your Bibles to John 6. We're going to be transitioning as we finished the series in Philippians. There's a couple of messages um, that we feel like the Lord is giving one of them today from John 6. And so John 6, and really the, um, we're going to read starting with verse 25 to about 40. The main idea here today is that Jesus reveals himself as the bread of life, our source for everything that's needed for this life and beyond. And so he's calling us to reflect, to recognize, to believe that he is our life giver. He's our sustainer, working always in our lives. We started sabbatical, if you'll recall, with um, a message, a call from Jesus, who said, come to me, you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? Jesus said, come to me. And he was calling the Westers to come to Jesus. He was calling us as a church, come to Jesus. Well, it feels like, and as we prayed this week, it just has been stirring in me that Jesus will end this sabbatical season saying, come to me. That same message of come to me. And so we look to Jesus here as Pastor Dave and Ann and the Wester family come back as we kind of conclude a season um, that started with, remember, we all entered into this um, understanding, a deeper understanding of God's rest and his Sabbath. And we looked at his love, his everlasting agape love, his unconditional love, love for us, love that we share with one another because of Christ's love in us. We can do that. And then we looked at this season of a life of joy in the book of Philippians. And we were learning that Paul was able to endure all kinds of things because he stayed focused on Jesus. He was coming to Jesus. He was looking to Jesus. And um, so we've been in the season, and it seems good and right today that we again look to Jesus. And so we look to him from this story in John 6. And... um, This week has been just a delightful week of Pastor Dave coming back and being able to have some meetings and catch up on some things. And um, we were sitting at a coffee shop, Pastor Jaleesa, Pastor Dave, and myself. I didn't say I was going to share this story, but hey, um, sorry. You know, I just am getting the hang of this too. But, um, But Pastor Dave just kind of got one of these downloads and just started to, like, share this teaching. Like, he just, something was on his heart, and he just, blah, 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 you know, just shares it. And Pastor Jaleesa and I are sitting there just listening and, like, soaking it up. And I'm smiling, and I'm thinking, we could just go on with the next thing on our agenda, or I could use this as a teachable moment. And I thought, I just feel like we need to push pause a minute and just debrief and just say, the Holy Spirit just came on Pastor Dave and he just gave this teaching. And our response could be one of overwhelmment or comparison, or we could just bask in the glory that God gifts each of us differently and that we're better together as a team. But, you know, you can miss those teachable moments if you just rush right over it because we actually had another meeting and we needed to get on with things, and yet... Um, We needed to push pause a minute. Well, I believe that this chapter 6 in John is one of these times 
where um, we need to push pause a minute and look at what was happening in the life of um, the disciples, Jesus, those that were following Jesus, even as we push pause a minute and we don't just move right on from sabbatical and just go right into that series of a life of worship, which we're really looking forward to, looking at the Psalms. But um, it seems like today the Lord has a message for us to push pause and to reflect and not miss a teachable moment. All right, so that's where we're going, teachable moments. And I see a pattern of um, recognizing Jesus' love, his presence, his power, and his revelation in this chapter. And um, if it was up to us pastors, we'd probably preach 24-7, 365 um, we would just preach from Genesis to Revelations, and we just we love the big picture, we love the whole story, and it's really hard to hold to like one part of the passage. But I just need to give you a little overview of John 6, okay? So bear with me a minute. John 6 starts with Jesus um, feeding the 5,000. You remember that story? They're all together, they've, he's been teaching, and all of a sudden they're hungry. And so what is there? There's some bread and a couple of little um, dried fish that are probably about the size of minnows. And um, he does this miracle of breaking the bread and feeding all this crowd. Then it goes to he needs to go up to the mountain to pray, and the disciples get in the boat to go across the lake. And um, they're just going maybe three or four miles, but a storm comes up. All right, unexpected things just come up on this jaunt, which actually happened in the evening, a time where, remember from our um, passages on rest, God created day and night, and the evening was going to be that time of rest that we started our work day by resting, and then we got into the work. So they were just going to go across the lake, and I'm sure they were planning on going to sleep. As soon as they got there, it had been a big day. Yeah? Wouldn't you think feeding 5,000 people with a couple of... That would be a big day. All right? So it it would be a big day for us at Gold Ave if we were feeding 5,000 people on a couple of things of bread and fish. So, all right. So they get in the boat, and there's this storm that comes up, unexpected storm. And yet Jesus comes, and in in this particular gospel, it's interesting, and I dwelled on it richly this week, thinking about this, that Jesus gets into the boat with them, and they're immediately where they were going. Think about that. Like they were here and then they were there. Like I, I just like, I, that is rich. Like I wonder if that's just like the beginning of like giving people a glimpse of what it's like as God who's omnipresent, that he's everywhere at once, you know. But somehow he gets in the boat and suddenly they're there. And I think someday Jesus is coming back and the, the clouds are going to just part and all of a sudden we're going to be there. But in this journey that we're going in life and following Jesus, that sometimes there's storms that come up. And we meet the unexpected, but just knowing that Jesus is with us, his presence was there, and all of a sudden they got where they were going safely. All right, so this is the context where they were, where we get ready to um, read our passage, and I'm going to read it in a minute, but I want to tell you where we are as a church before we do this, all right? I'm, I'm trying to lay a little bit of a parallel. Here's the context of where these people have been and what's been happening in Jesus' life. Here's where we've been as a church, and here's what Jesus has been doing in our life. Since 1929, we've been a little mission church 
that God started here on the northwest side, and he's been doing miracles. Now, he may not have been doing the feeding of the 5,000, but there's been incredible seasons of teaching. There have been seasons of Sunday school with overflowing numbers of children, and this place was divided with all little dividers when I came even, where they had had Sunday school in every possible nook and cranny of this place. There have been seasons where there had been incredible um, crowds that had come. There had also been some lean seasons and some storms. Some of you have been here for 30 years or so. Um, You've been through some seasons where there were some unexpected storms, where maybe the crowds were gone, where you were rowing as a team and you're wondering how you're going to get through, and you're wondering, and yet Jesus comes and gets in the boat, and he sustained this church. And seven years ago, the Lord opened a new season. And so it's kind of like John 6 repeats over and over in our lives. And so there's these times where there's these amazing things and God's doing miracles. And he's healing people here at Gold Avenue Church. Physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. God's been working. Right? God's been working. And so then there's this time where it seemed as if Jesus wanted to just say, I'm going to go spend some time with my father, and um, I want you to go on over across the lake. Um, And so, okay, so we as a church are going to go across the lake, and Pastor Dave and Ann are going to go to Alongside Ministries, and they're going to go out to Arizona. They're getting in the boat, and they're just going across. They're just going to take this little journey, and then they're going to go rest. They're going to go sleep. We're just going to take this journey together. We're in the boat, Gold Avenue Church. We're in the boat, and some swells have come up. And as I've recounted this past week, some of the last six months of the history of this church, there have been some beautiful ways God's worked, and there have been some storms. Can I get an amen? Amen. There have been some deaths, unexpected deaths. There have been illnesses that have come up. There's been unemployment. There's been eviction. There's been sicknesses. There have been relationship struggles. There's been swells of temptation that have come. And um, there have been all kinds of things. And yet Jesus has been with us. And that's what I believe he wants us to see even more clearly today, is that he has been with us, that he has met us in this storm, and um, we're now On this other side, we're here on the land, and there's some things he wants to talk to us about today. And so let's read John 6, starting with verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? They've been looking for him because he was missing on that other side of the lake. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, What what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, 
It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those who he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. These were Jesus' very, very important words, his self-revelation of who he was. The crowd was asking the wrong question. They came and said, when did you get here? And I think they were really wanting to know, how did you get here? They came to Jesus asking the wrong question. And I feel like that the question they should have been asking is, who are you, Jesus? Who are you? Or what or who can really satisfy us? That would really be the question because they have these things that they're chasing after and they're looking for satisfaction. But they don't start with the right question. And I feel like as a church, if we exit this sabbatical season and we aren't asking the right question, we're going to we'll miss it. We'll miss it. I believe the question that the Lord would ask us is to say, Jesus, who are you? Reveal more to us who you are. We could be asking the question, what's next? Right? Pastor Dave's back. What's next? Here we go. Friends, we need to look to Jesus. And we need to be asking the right question. Who, is, who are you? What have you been doing? Show us where you've been active in our lives. And Jesus starts with this I am. And it's the beginning in John of several I ams. He's revealing himself. And he says I am. And it is a reminder to us way back when Moses was with um, God interacting and, and God had a plan and was issuing Moses, and Moses said, well, who will I say sent me? And God said, I am. And today Jesus meets us as the I am. God himself is the one who is the one who is sending us, who is sending us as Gold Avenue Church to do his bidding in the world, and it's the I am. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Interesting metaphor. I am the bread of life. Think about bread. How many of you love to think about bread? Yes. Like, I thought about how nice it would be if I could have a bakery here and have that aroma of fresh baked bread as you come in. All right. Bread. Carbohydrates. Oh. All right. Um, 
It's a beautiful thing. I, he's, he's saying, I am your sustenance. All right? I am that that gives you life. Um, the bread and butter, like if you have a business, and um, let's just say back in the day, McDonald's, like uh, the Big Mac was their bread and butter. You know, or if you're a car dealer and you have a particular car that sells well, that's your bread and butter. It's your sustenance. He says, I am your bread. I am your sustenance. Now, I want to um, ask you, is bread very helpful or valuable to you? If, if we just sat and looked at it, yeah, a picture of it, where we had a loaf of bread here, but we didn't crack it and eat it, would it do much for our bodies? No. So I think he says, He's given us a picture. I am the bread of life. I am something, someone that you need to take in, take into you, take into the very being of you. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever studied bread, and um, like if you eat bread, like if I eat a piece of bread, it doesn't just go to my finger. Right? It goes all over the body. That nutrition goes all over. When we take Jesus into our lives... He doesn't intend to just have one little compartment just over here on my right wrist. No. Jesus plans to influence every part of my mind, my will, my emotions, my memories, my past, my present, my future, all of me. Okay? So that I am the bread of life. I'm something that you ingest, you have a relationship with. I am in you, and therefore influence all over taking into our inner being an intimate intermingled relationship think about that god comes into us and we have this intimate intimate relationship with him he says i am the bread of life i am the true bread from heaven giving eternal life in this we see the father's heart and um this might this it's not an aside there's just so much that's rich here. But I just want to tell you what I see about the Father's heart in this, I am the true bread from heaven, giving eternal life. That the Father, he says he fully approves the Son. He marks his identity in this passage. If you read the whole chapter, he's, he's, he's marked and he marks us with his Holy Spirit. He approves of the Son and he proves of us. We are Christians. We are Christ ones. We are anointed by the same Holy Spirit. He approves He sends Jesus the bread that gives life to the world. The Father gives or calls the elect, the people, to Jesus. The Father doesn't make us earn salvation. They are asking about the work, and he's saying the only work there is is just to believe this beautiful gift that you just got the bread of life given to you. There's this grace upon grace. And that the Father wills that all who look to Jesus and believe will have eternal life. There is so much richness about the love of a loving God, a Father God, who would send his only Son because he loved a world that had sinned against him. And he gives the life of his Son. And the Son lays his life down very voluntarily because of love. That love so great. And we see it in this passage, and I was thinking about, and I don't know if this makes sense to you or not, but I was thinking about if, if I was a parent and I had a dead child buried at the cemetery, how weird it would be if I sent a gift or sent bread every day and just laid it on that grave. 
We were dead in our transgressions, in our sins. And the Father sends the bread of life, sends a gift, because he knows he's going to resurrect that son and he's going to resurrect us. And there's going to be life given. God looks past our sin and sends Jesus to raise us, to give us new life. Friends, that is such good news. I don't think we need it anymore in the sermon. Like, that's just it. That's just it. He gives us this new life, and it's eternal life, and it's not just for the future, the by and by, and when he comes again, it starts now. Now, my life is different. Your life is different because of Jesus now, because that nutrition, he's giving us life now. Jesus didn't just move on with the next sign or the next big ministry initiative when um, those, it was the next day and those people come. and He could have just started up with the next um, miracle, the next healing, the next deliverance. But he stops and he reveals himself. And he wants to reveal not only himself, but he's revealing the people there, their motives for being there, their heart conditions. And he's revealing to us today What is our motive for being here? What is our heart condition before him? And he wants to reveal himself even more deeply to us. The Jews were there looking for a free meal. They're like, they're asking, well, when did you get here? And he goes, no, actually, you're just coming because your stomachs are hungry again. Uh, This isn't potluck Sunday. What are you doing here? Huh? All right. So. Why do we really come to church? Why do we come? Are we here to know Jesus more? Have we come to really understand who he is? And he calls them out on it, but not in a condemning way, but he just speaks the truth in love. He sees their motives. I don't know if you've ever been to, like, a grocery store where they have those food stations going on and the, the free demonstrations. How many of you are there to really find out about the product? And how many of you are there to just get the free meal? Or the free little taste test of something? Or have you ever asked a question about like, oh, well, where is that found? Or, you know, how do you prepare this? But you really don't have any intentions of buying that. You're just asking because you really want to get that little snack. Right? Jesus knows. Are we here because we just want that little snack? Or because we really want to know him? Because we want to grow in intimacy with him? All right. He sees us. He knows us. He corrects their wrong thinking. You see, when they ask this about manna and Moses and all, what they're saying is, and this blew my mind when I read this and understood it better, um, what they're asking him, they're asking him, um, you, you really haven't done that much of a miracle, Jesus, because back in the day when Moses fed the manna, they fed the whole nation. You've only fed 5,000. That's what they're doing. They're judging Jesus. But actually, he had fed 20,000 because it was just 5,000 men plus the women plus the children. So they estimate probably 20,000 people were there. But he's saying, you are not understanding this right because the food that they got, they still died in the desert. What I'm offering you, what is me, I am the bread of life, you will have eternal life. You, even if you die, yet you will rise. You will be resurrected. And so I'm offering you so much more, and it's come down from heaven, and I am he who's been sent. There were ones who were opposing Jesus, 
And if you go on, and I hope you'll read all of chapter 6 when you go home today. Sometime today, read John 6. It's beautiful. But they were grumbling. There was grumbling. They were irritated with his answers. They didn't like it. Well, there was grumbling back in the desert too, wasn't there? And it really didn't have good results. Friends, I just believe the Lord would just ask us today, how's your heart? Have you been grumbling? Are you appreciative? Are you recognizing that he's with you in that storm? How's your heart? There were those there that had a hard time understanding. But instead of asking for clarification, even some of Jesus' disciples started to desert him. His teachings were hard because he was teaching that they had to take in all of him, his life and his death, and so therefore there would be this dying off of their old selves and living new in him as their bread of life meant letting him be not just Savior, but Lord. Not just that he would save them from their sins, but that every day he would be able to give them guidance. He would give them direction. He would give them assignments. They didn't want that. They wanted a God that they could fit in a box that would save them from their sins, but yet let them be in charge and in control. And I believe the Lord grieves when we want to resist his lordship because he's saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's saying, I know better than you do how to live this life. I actually created you. And so the Lord wants to be the Lord of our lives, but there were those that were resisting, and how sad it is when we see people resisting the lordship of Christ when they don't trust that his ways are better and higher than our ways. This week I saw just a little snapshot of the Global Leadership Summit and a a genocide refugee um, person that had survived a genocide issue stood up and was able to speak about forgiveness. God's ways are higher than our ways. And he gets glory when we live. And this person was living in peace and joy. How can you live in peace and joy after you've experienced something so horrible except that you live according to the kingdom ways, which is love and forgiveness? And so, but that requires letting God be the Lord of our lives. And we don't take offense. We forgive people. We bless people. And so, in this way, we see that Jesus was being the stumbling stone and that some were walking away. But then there were others who, like Peter, were receiving this incredible deep revelation of what, who Jesus was and what he had done. And so as Jesus was speaking to the people, in these seasons of miracles and storms, rest and activity, Jesus speaks these words on the shore that day, and the words that I read to you, And the words are so encouraging for them and for us if we can only have ears to hear what the Spirit would say right now. There's hope now and later. Verse 27 says Jesus would give food that would result in eternal life. So this life isn't all there is. There's more to come. And that's where our hope is. And Betty's not here today, but last week Betty told me, I have had such hope even in the midst of, of facing my own health issues and my sister's health issues 
because I know that Jesus is with me and that there's life after this one. And so I can face. And Alita, you and Kathleen, you have faced a very, very, very serious situation and continue to face a situation, but God gives hope because of this opportunity of eternal life. We have Jesus' active presence, his willingness to come and serve because the Father loves us. And so Jesus is there teaching. He's feeding. He meets his disciples in the storm. His presence is there. Pastor Dave, you will be telling us much more over the next weeks and months about your time of sabbatical. But one thing you've said is that I wouldn't have planned my sickness out in Arizona And yet the Lord was with me in a powerful way. We look forward to hearing the testimony of that and more. But in each of us, we've had situations where we can say, like Alita did testify this morning, the presence of God was with me. He was guarding. He was giving me that supernatural peace. There's acceptance. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Friends, Jesus said these words, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And so those of us that struggle maybe with a besetting sin pattern or something that we kind of waffle on, Jesus, he wants us to trust him and come to him for help and healing and deliverance. But Jesus says, I'll never drive you away. If you struggle with rejection, if you always are feeling like maybe I'm not being accepted or there's a situation here, hear these words today. Jesus will never drive you away. There's security. Verse 39 says, I shall lose none of all those my Father has given me. What a peace that brings. And Brendan, I want to speak to you specifically because I want to speak to all of us who have lost someone and we wonder... Did they know Jesus? And what a comfort it is to know that he will never lose one that the Father has given. And so we can have peace of mind, trusting that if the Father has given, they will not have been lost. Hear the word of the Lord. It not only gives us security when we lose somebody, but it gives us security and comfort and great joy and freedom to go do evangelism. Because there's all those that the Lord has given, and so we don't know who all those are, so we just go and share Jesus with everybody. And then we don't have to feel like we have to manipulate or push or pressure somebody to receive Christ because they're not going to be lost. Maybe we're just called to plant the seed, or maybe somebody else is going to come and water, or maybe we get to be the harvester. But we just keep telling about Jesus. We get to tell the good news about Jesus. There's this future resurrection that I will raise them up on the last day. And so the hope that no matter what our aches and pains, as some of us get older, anybody got some aches and pains, right? But there's going to be a resurrection and we're going to have a glorified body. Hallelujah. No more bronchitis, no more arthritis, no bursitis or any of those other itises, Um, right? Like we've got this hope of a future resurrection and that Jesus is coming back. We've got faith that all those that the Father gives me, will come to me. We've got this invitation not to just pursue Jesus for the temporary, but to be thinking about the eternal. And that kind of got to me this week. As I was thinking about what he said to them, like, you're just looking for your stomachs to be filled. And I thought, how many of my prayers 
I wonder if I could look back over the prayers of the last year or the last 10 years have been about temporary things and how many have been about eternal things. And so I believe the Lord would just call us all to have an eternal perspective and to even think about what we are praying about for ourselves. Like, not just about my job and this and that and the other, but how about, like, Lord, about my character? Could you give me more patience? Lord, would you grow gentleness in me? Lord, would you bring joy? Would you bubble up joy in me? Would you help me be just a constant fountain of joy? That I could bring joy wherever I go. That I could dance in the rain. That I could row in a boat with my team. And I, I tell you, I'm so grateful for this um, season of being in a boat with all you Gold Avenue folks so that together, even if there's been some storms, even if there's been some loss of jobs, some disappointments, establishing things maybe took longer than we thought or those policies were just really hard to crank out. All right, whatever it is, but we've been in this boat rowing together and that Jesus has met us and that he's continuing to get us where we're supposed to be going. There's so much more, but I believe that this one I'd like to just point out. Promise of satisfaction and provision. In every situation, verse 35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When we eat in this life, I don't know about you, but if I eat at 7 a.m., By about 9.30 or 10 a.m., I'm thinking about a little snack. About noon, I'm thinking about a little something else. About 3 o'clock, I'm thinking about a little something else. Like, throughout my day, I'm thinking about a little something else. Jesus is the one who will satisfy us and who we can keep feeding on because he's eternal. We're eternal with him, and so we can keep coming to him over and over and over. There's never a time that we can't go to Jesus for whatever it is that we need. And so in this life, we have these circumstances, and I don't know what your Monday's going to be like, but on Monday morning at 7 a.m., you can go and feed on Jesus. You get to open his word. You get to hear from him. He's meeting you in your quiet time. Mid-morning, throughout your morning, afternoon, Jesus. And I want to say, are we snacking somewhere else? Are we eating something else? Are we going to something else in our lives rather than Jesus. Only Jesus will satisfy. Everything else is going to be empty calories that aren't going to do your body any good, so to speak. If he's going to use the metaphor of food, then we're going to use the metaphor of food for a minute and just say, you could eat on junk food and it will not satisfy and it will not give you nutrition, or you can eat unhealthy stuff. In the eternal spiritual realm, Jesus is the healthy food. Even if you're gluten-free, think about how many businesses have worked on trying to come up with good gluten-free bread, right? And muffins and cakes and brownies and whatever else, because we know what we like. And I'm saying God made us to know what we like and who we like and who we love because he first loved us and he laid his life down for us. And so Jesus says, come to me. I am the bread of life. And in this past week, as I've done reflection and as I've thought about the ways that God's been glorious in our midst and the ways that there have been challenges upon challenges personally and corporately, 
all I could do is think Jesus has been with us. Jesus has been with me. Jesus has been with you. As we've turned to Jesus, he has gotten us through. Amen? Amen? And friends, as he continues to say, he says, come to me. I am the bread of life. So for each one of us, he's saying, this isn't going to change. Each day, each day, every moment, whether you're up on the mountaintop experience of upward challenge and youth camp, or whether you're in a struggle and a challenge, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come and feed on me. You will never go hungry. You'll never go thirsty. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would apply your word to our lives. Lord, that you would just, Lord, help us to express our love for you, our appreciation for you. You are so good. You are so good. And we are so grateful for who you are and what you mean to us, that you will never leave us, that you'll never forsake us, that you are our food, you are our sustenance, that you are our comfort, you are our peace, you are our presence with us, you are our ever-present help in time of trouble. Lord, that we don't have to be concerned about today, later today, tomorrow, Lord, that we can look to the future with optimism and excitement because you rule in your reign. And we worship you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.